Oh, lift it up, lift it up, lift it up, lift it up. Hallelujah, Jesus. We glorify you. We glorify you. We glorify you, God. We magnify you, Jesus. I'd like to add to everyone who's already mentioned it, but it's just so uh, worth saying and exciting how thrilled I am to see Brother Lucas in the house of God tonight. And uh, that's an answer to prayer. That's an answer to prayer. And uh, we miss him when he's not here. And uh, good to see all of you here tonight. And uh, I also want to mention, as I'm directing your attention to Mark chapter 2, Mark chapter 2 and verse number 1, Mark 2 and 1, I also need to take a, a personal moment and uh, mention something that it's difficult for me to comprehend. I'm not even sure that it's true, um, but I, I'm assuming that it is true, but my daughter, Julia Lynn turned 12 years old yesterday and I wanted to wish her a happy birthday she's beautiful she loves the Lord a sweet spirit and I'm incredibly proud of her 12 years old and I I am 78 and counting I don't know I don't know where the time goes it just it just flies by it flies by Mark chapter 2 and verse 1, if you have that, say amen. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house, this being Jesus. And straightway, many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive him. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come up unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And I'd like to preach for a few moments tonight, the breaking before the breakthrough, the breaking before the breakthrough. Put your Bibles down, lift up your hands, and ask the Lord to help us tonight. Lord, in your name, I pray right now that you would break up the fallow ground, break up everything that is hindering us from being in your presence, break up everything that is hindering us from stepping into miracle-working territory, break up everything that is blocking us from where we need to be in you, Lord. And I pray that we would have friends and preachers and and fellow saints that help us to break up what needs to be broke up in order to step into the power of God. We give you glory tonight. I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody ought to open up your mouth and just cry out to Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We magnify you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for standing. God bless you. You may be seated. This particular story has been preached uh, from many different perspectives. And uh, we could focus, of course, on the fact that Jesus forgave this man's sins and the stir that it caused among the religious people and how Jesus spoke into his life and told him to arise and take up his bed 
and he was healed. Immediately he arose and took up his bed, and, and the people were all amazed, the Bible says, and they glorified God, saying, we never saw it on this fashion. We've never seen anything like this. We've never even seen Jesus do anything exactly like this before. And, and I don't know about you, but my heartbeat lately has been God. I want to witness you do something miraculous that I have never seen before. I want to do something that creates such a testimony in this church that we'll all stand back in amazement and say, I've never seen God heal cancer quite like that before. I, I, I've never seen God pour out the Holy Ghost quite like that before. I, I, I've never seen God turn things around quite like that before. Does anybody feel that in your heart tonight? I want to witness God do the unprecedented. And so this was the situation. It was a dynamic miracle. It caught the eye of the crowd and the people. But what has always captured my attention is that there was an unnamed man who owned this home. A man who evidently had invited Jesus into his house. He wanted Jesus to be there. He wanted Jesus to heal. He wanted Jesus to deliver he wanted Jesus to preach and teach. He knew when he invited Jesus into his home that this was going to be a unique circumstance. And somewhere in the midst, I'm sure that when he invited Jesus, he expected people to pack into his home. And sure enough, they did. They came from everywhere. Just as they always did when Jesus was teaching and healing, they, they gathered from the four corners and they crammed themselves into this man's home. So much so that when this man with the palsy was being brought for his miracle, they realized that there was no place to take him. Unlike the woman with the issue of blood, the Bible says evidently that was an open air Area. He was on his way to heal someone else and people were pressing and she was able to get down on the ground and push through the crowd and touch the hem of his garment. But this was different. There was there was no way to push through. And the only way that they could get to Jesus was to break something up in this home in order to lower him down to where Jesus was. And this is exactly what they did. And can I just suggest to you, if you don't have friends that will do whatever it takes to get you to Jesus, then you don't have the right kind of friends. Some of you need to let go of some friends who are trying to take you away from Jesus and get a hold of some friends that will break things up to get you to where Jesus is. That'll preach, and somebody ought to preach with me. Get a hold of some friends who will pray in an altar with you until Zaxby's closes and even past then until you get a hold of God. Get a hold of some friends who aren't just patty caking for Jesus waiting to get to Cracker Barrel and get some friends who will tarry in an altar with you until God saves you, delivers you, transforms you, and does a breakthrough in your life. This man had good friends. This man had good friends, and they, they climbed up on this roof, and they and they realized we're going to have to break this roof. And they tore it apart. The Bible says they broke it up. And it had to be a pretty big hole because this man was on a stretcher. 
And uh, this wasn't just some little deal. This was a, a hole, and they, and they lowered him down. This was an ordeal. This took forethought. This took thinking. This took planning, intentionality, and they lowered him down right at the feet of Jesus. Can you imagine having friends that would just lay you right down at the feet of the healer, the savior, the deliverer? And there he was, and the miracle began to transpire from that moment forth. And get we often forget in all the excitement of this miracle, and I want you to think, those of you who, uh, who are responsible for the care and the upkeep of the place that you live, I want you to think about what must have been going on in the mind of the man who had a hole torn in his roof. Ah. Now, if you're the man with palsy, you don't care much about it. You're just getting to where Jesus is. And you don't care what happened to the roof. You don't care what got on the floor. And you don't care what broke in the kitchen. And you don't care what happened to the, anything else. You're just getting to Jesus. But somewhere in that crowd, there was a homeowner who wanted Jesus in his house. But he got more than he bargained for when the miraculous required a breaking in his home. I'm going to preach to somebody now. The miraculous required a breaking before they could be a breakthrough in his house. The miraculous required something that was unusual, something that was a sacrifice before there could ever be miracle working power that transpired in his home. Now, I think that I could get everyone to testify in this building that we would like to see God do things in our homes. Has anybody had a, a prayer in your heart that you want God to do miracles in your home? That you want God to touch your children? That you want God to save your grandchildren? That you want God to do things in your family and in your house? You know, I sometimes worry that we live in a generation with a mindset that separates the power of God from the church house to their house and there's a mentality that says we'll wait till we get to church for God to do something but you know God wants to do things in your house God doesn't intend for you to have to wait until Sunday to get a breakthrough. You can get a breakthrough in your home. You, oh, I'm going to help somebody. You can get a breakthrough in your family. You don't have to wait till Sunday or Wednesday night. In fact, I submit to you that if the only time you're experiencing the power of God is on Sunday morning or Sunday night, you are not where you need to be in God. You need to have miracle working power in your home. You need to have delivering power in your home you shouldn't have to go home and be bound by sin and then come back on Sunday just to get your weekly deliverance no there ought to be a breakthrough on Monday there ought to be a breakthrough on Tuesday you shouldn't have to pray through all over again every Sunday you should pray through at home and come to the house of God with a passion in your heart somebody ought to lift up your hands throw back your head and shout unto God with a voice of trust I am. Hallelujah. But the breakthrough in the home, and this is where you're going to get quiet. The breakthrough in the home requires a breaking that takes place. Something that's uncomfortable. The scripture doesn't tell us what this man said or thought. I assume that 
because the scripture doesn't say anything about it. He was so excited about what Jesus was doing that he looked up at that roof and said, if he can heal a man with palsy, he can take care of my roof. If he can turn that man's situation around, he can take care of the hole in my roof. Sometimes, though, God requires something in our homes that is hard for us to give up. Sometimes God requires things in our family, in our house, that needs to be torn out, ripped up, and taken out in order for there to be room for God to move in our house. I believe that everyone I'm preaching to on a Sunday night is like that unnamed man who invited Jesus into his home. You want God in your home. You want the power of the Holy Ghost moving in your house. You want things to take place in your family. You desire that. But you have filled your house with so many things. You've packed it with people. You've packed it with stuff. You've packed it with distractions. And you think that's what God wants you to do. But really God is telling you there's a roof that needs to be torn off of this house. There's something. There's a hole that needs to be placed here. Because God wants to tear some things up in order to give you a spiritual breakthrough. Let me give you a little example. And I'm going to take you where I'm going. I was preaching many years ago in Kansas in what would be kind of the, uh, an area that's famous, the Topeka area, uh, where there was uh, an early apostolic outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And Kansas and that area is one of the early places at the turn of the century where God was pouring out his spirit when that was uh, a virtually unknown thing in America. It was uh, the church had had. Uh, had gone underground and and uh, most denominations were not speaking in tongues and uh, and God began to pour his spirit out and it just it was like a wildfire that just swept across the United States and swept across not only the United States but around the world pastor said this morning one billion people speaking in other tongues that's how God can change things quickly and and I was preaching in a legacy church a church that had been there for uh, oh, I, I'm not exactly sure, but uh, at that time, at least 80-something years, 90 years. And, and uh, the elderly pastor there, Dynamic Revival Church. It was the church where the warlock, I've mentioned this, the warlock would come into the services and he would carry a cross upside down and he would speak in Latin and he would pray to Satan while I was preaching that Satan would block the revival that was taking place in that church. And if there's kids here, I'm not trying to scare anybody and this is a little gross, but this is absolutely true. I walked over to him the second night of revival and I knew what he was doing and the Lord prompted me to just lay hands on him and speak just simply speak the name of Jesus. So I laid my hand on his forehead, and when I did, his eyes shifted and changed, and he went from looking like a normal person, and all of a sudden he had eyes that were demonic. And I touched his forehead, and I said, in the name of Jesus. And immediately when I did, he began to vomit uncontrollably, and he vomited all the way out the building. He had 10 lesser warlocks with him, and every single one of them went outside of the building, and they were just vomiting and they could not stop I'm going to tell you that's gross but God knows how to get a hold of people that are in sin and people that are, that are going against the flow of the spirit and that was a dynamic revival almost 75 people received the Holy Ghost in that revival and, and I was so overcome with emotion and I was very young 
And I, I looked at that elderly pastor, and I, we were driving around one afternoon, and uh, I said, how, how did this church start? Can you just tell me? And as a young preacher, I wanted to know. Uh, I'd never pastored. I'd never been, uh, I'd been evangelizing for a long time. And I said, what, what did you do? What programs did you use to get this church started? And, and uh, I was thinking of all the books that I'd read on church growth. You know, you got to be careful what you read and how you think. And, and, uh, and he kind of looked at me funny. And he said, what do you mean? What do you mean programs? And I said, well, you know, what, what kind of, you know, did you go door to door? Were you, were you giving gifts to people? Did you give away Lamborghinis? What would you do to have revival like you're having in this city? And he said, all I know to tell you, Brother Ryan, is that in the early, early days, there was a couple ladies and a husband who had a little house. And they didn't exactly know what the Holy Ghost was. And they didn't exactly know how God was going to do everything. But they just decided they were going to start having prayer meetings every night in their home. And he said all of a sudden about the third week of prayer meetings, the Holy Ghost showed up in that little house. And every single one of them began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. No one had ever received the Holy Ghost there. No one had ever preached the infilling of the Holy Ghost to them. They simply read like pastor preached this morning have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed and they told God in prayer we want to receive it whatever it is we want it and God filled them with the Holy Ghost and it was a month after that they had a hundred people packed into their tiny little home and from that little house revival this church has continued decade after decade after decade and I came to preach to somebody tonight that revival begins in your house Revival does not begin in this building. Revival begins in your house. But what are you willing to let break in your home? What are you willing to give up in your home? Are you holding on to things in your house that block the power and the flow of the Holy Ghost? All right. I'm going to preach it. Revival begins in our homes. We shouldn't have to wait till Tuesday night prayer to pray. We should pray together. The Bible talks about gathering together to pray, but you ought to be praying at home. Tuesday night prayer is not a substitute for your prayer life. Wednesday night Bible study is not a substitute for your Bible study at home. Sunday morning worship is not a substitute for your praise all week long. You ought to step onto the job with a praise on your lips. You ought to pray everywhere without ceasing. You ought to be in the Word every single day. You ought to walk in holiness even on Monday when pastor's not looking. You ought to stay away from the danger zone even when the elders of the church aren't looking at you. Make up your mind. My house is going to be a house of prayer. My house is going to be a holy place. In this house, it's going to be a righteous place. And I don't know why I feel led to do this, but I'm just going to go ahead and give it to you. For some of y'all that have... Uh, kids and grandkids living with you and God forbid they're 40, 50 years old but sometimes that happens and sometimes they're younger, teenagers, whatever it is and I hear people say things like this well, I can't stop them from doing drugs in my house uh, they're going to do what they're going to do I can't stop them from sleeping with people in, in their bedroom I can't, keep, I can't control what they do down in the basement I, I can't keep the pornography out of my house if it, you know, I don't want them to do it but I can't keep them from doing it if it's your house, you need to get it out of your house if it's your house, you need to stand up and say we have decided as for me 
as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. If you want to do that, honey, you can do it out on the street. But in this house, we're going to serve the Lord. And in this house, we're going to have breakthrough. In this house, we're going to have revival. In this house, we're going to dress right. In this house, we're not going to curse. Somebody needs to preach with me right now. In this house, we're not watching filth and garbage. In this house, we're not reading filth and garbage. In this house, we are dedicated to the things of God. As for me and my house, someone said my house, my house, (laughs) we're going to serve the Lord. If you want to go to another house, I'm going to preach to some of y'all. If you if you got another house that'll feed you, you go there and you can do drugs. But in my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. If you got another house that'll, that'll give you a warm roof and not make you pay the bills, then, then you go there and you do what you want to do. But in my house, we are going to serve the Lord. The house. There are things that need to be broken up. I see this in scripture in many places how there is a danger in houses. In our homes that we that we often forget. We grow comfortable in our homes. It's the nature of a house. Uh, I'm an introvert. And so what that means is I love people, but I I, I, I'm quieter and uh, talking a lot. Uh, Some of y'all really rev up with talking. It just it just gives you energy. (laughs) Just energizes you. And the more you talk to people, the more energetic you are. That's an extrovert. But we introverts, we love people, but we only have so many words every day. And when those words are gone, we're gone. And, uh, and so my house is, for me, it's a, it's a place of refuge. It's a quiet place. And, and I like to go home. If, hopefully, you feel safe when you go home. Hopefully, your home is a comfortable place, a familiar place to you. But there's a danger, and the scripture warns us of this over and over again, where Uh, Oftentimes where we're most comfortable is a dangerous place because we are not on guard, not on guard. Brother Jason, you can correct me if this is wrong, but I read years ago that they say that a a vast majority, a percentage of car accidents take place between one and two miles from your house. The reason being you're so familiar with with the environment that you don't really pay attention because you know where you're going and so you're just kind of fiddling with the radio and talking on the phone and just you think you know exactly where you almost think the car can go on autopilot and get you home and so you're distracted and because you're distracted you're not paying attention like you ought to be when you're in an unfamiliar driving environment you're focused because you don't know where you are and you're looking for landmarks and you're thinking yeah how will I get there and so you're paying attention to all of the danger but when you get close Closer to home, your guard begins to drop. And I see this spiritually in our homes. When we're out in the world and, and when we're and when even when we come into the house of God, we 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 are we're programmed to be careful, to pay attention, to be on guard, to be focused. But the scripture talks to us about how our homes are so important to keep right and how there is a danger there. And I I often read in Amos chapter 5, Amos 5 and verse number 18. I want you to listen carefully to what the prophet said on behalf of the Lord. He said, woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. Now, in this particular prophetic passage, 
when he speaks of the day of the Lord. By the way, this is the first time the phrase the day of the Lord is ever mentioned in Scripture. But Amos is not talking about the end times. He's not talking about uh, the rapture. Uh, Later on, other prophets use it in that context. But he's talking about the judgment of God that is coming on Israel because of their backsliding. And because of all of the things that are taking place in, in in the family of God. And he said, there are people among you that you're... You're desiring judgment to come. You look at people around you and you think, I I want the day of the Lord to come. I want judgment to fall because there's a lot of sinners out here. And, uh, And he says, to what end is it for you? Hello. He said, you're looking at everybody else and you want judgment to come, but you need to look at yourself. You need to look at your own home. Oh, that'll preach right now. You need to take care of your own house. And think about what it means for you. Because the day of the Lord is darkness and not light. As if a man did flee from a lion and a bear met him. Or went into the house and leaned his hand on the wall and a serpent bit him. The mindset here that the prophet is telling the church today is that you look around at the world and you look around at other people and you think we need God to just come and clean all this mess judgment whatever it's got to be and I know that sometimes we feel that way but I feel the prophet speaking into our life today be careful what you ask for start looking around in your home because you're out there running from lions and bears and then you get home and you forgot you have a serpent in your living room that you watch every single day that is destroying your life I'm going to help somebody right now you don't have to preach with me at all you've got things under your bed that will bite you and poison you you've got things on your cell phone you've got things on your computer in your house that will absolutely destroy your life and you're looking at everybody else it's time to get the snakes out of your house because you're running from things out there in the world and you come to church and look good but you've got snakes in your house and you better deal with with them before they destroy you silently. We're living in an age, you know, uh, they, we talk about uh, in days gone by. There, it, was, it was, you know, sin was, I really believe sin was just as rampant as it is now. And we talk about the increasing nature of sin. But, and it is true that as we grow closer to the trumpet sound, it, it, it does wax worse and worse. But one of the reasons that there seems to be more sin today is that sin is just easier to get to. Sin's just easier to get to. Uh, there was a time when, you know, if, if you wanted to really do something bad, you, you, you couldn't just pick up your phone and order it. You couldn't just have it delivered to your door. You couldn't just do it silently and then delete your history. Oh, it's gotten so quiet. No one's going to preach with me at all. There was a day when, you know, you had to go out loud and proud right in front of everybody and walk into that place that you shouldn't be walking into. And, and uh, everyone had to know you were doing it. But now it's so tailored to where you can do things on the sly. You can do things underneath the radar and you can try to fool your pastor and you can fool your spouse and you can fool your children and your grandchildren. You can fool the person sitting beside you and behind you. But you know who you can never, ever fool? You can never, ever fool God. And God is looking at the condition of our homes. And I'm going to tell you that 
difference between modern day church and old apostolic church. You want to know why they saw miracles like we don't see today? And you want to know why they had outpourings of the Holy Ghost and old sawdust covered tents with 105 degree heat and people speaking in tongues all over the building? We wouldn't even be able to get people to come to church like that anymore. The difference was they didn't just get it at church. They got it at home. They took the Holy Ghost home with them. They took holiness home with them. They took righteousness home with them. And they said, if God made me holy, what I watch is going to be holy. What I read is going to be holy. My entertainment's going to be holy. I'm not going to put unholy things in my body. Somebody needs to help me preach. This is old-fashioned. But we got to break some things up. There's going to be some things that we need to rip out of our houses in order for the breakthrough to take place in our lives. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe that God is speaking to me in the last days, reminding me that it's going to take a revival of going home and ripping some things out and lowering some things down. I know you want Jesus there. I know you invited him there, but now he's telling you you're going to have to be uncomfortable with the remodeling project that he wants to do. Let me say that one more time. You are going to have to get comfortable with the remodeling that Jesus wants to do in your home. It might be countercultural. You might think, but it looks ugly. There's a big old hole in my roof. Let God do it. And let the miraculous be unleashed in your house. Unleashed on your neighbors. Unleashed on your friends. Unleashed on your children. But you're going to have to go home and rip some things out. All right, let me take you to Proverbs because some of you still aren't convinced. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse number 30, 28. Proverbs 30 and 28 says, The spider taketh hold with her hands and is in king's palaces. There are spiritual spiders that get into homes. They, they creep in. You know, I don't know if you're like me, but I hate snakes and I hate spiders. So this message is very hard for me to preach. And uh, spiders are one of those bugs where they're so quiet and it seems like they just come up out of nowhere. And the other day I, I, was, I was just sitting on, on my favorite black chair in the living room and uh, I saw something black moving by my head on the chair. I just, you know, like you kind of catch a little shadow. You know how you just kind of sense movement kind of out of the corner of your eye? And I sensed it, and I thought, there's something on this chair. But I don't know what it is. So I turned around. I couldn't see anything. And then, again, there was just a little slight movement. I said, there's something on this chair. And I, so I stepped back, and I, I flipped the light on a little brighter, and I looked down, and there was this giant black spider that... It was black, exactly the same shade of black as my chair. And he was blending in, and he had been about two inches from my face for I don't know how long. I'm going to tell you, there was a prayer meeting in the French house that afternoon. And there was a good old-fashioned foot stomping where we just stomped the devil under our feet. I mean, we just were getting the Holy Ghost in there, stomping that thing to death. And, you know, when I kill spiders, I don't just kill spiders. I obliterate spiders. I mean, I stomp on them until there is absolutely nothing left. And then I stomp on them again in Jesus' name just for good measure. And so I got rid of that thing. But that's how spiders are. They, they get in your house and they, it's like they just blend in and they're so quiet. 
and, uh, and, and before you know it, you've got something in your home that you don't want to be in your home. And that's the danger. This is what Proverbs is telling us. There are even in king's palaces, and I'm going to take that and say, even in people who are part of the kingdom of God, you're a child of the king. You are meant to be a part of a royal priesthood. And you have a dynamic calling to be a part of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are not like everybody else. You are separated. You are called out you are a peculiar people God has a plan for your life but even in king's palaces with all of the royalty and power there are still spiders that somehow get in that place and they can be incredibly dangerous let me tell you we have spiders in our homes in the apostolic movement and we need to go in and exterminate things that have crept into our houses there are things taking place in apostolic homes that ought not to be taking place in apostolic homes and it is time for us to repent and say Lord clear it all out move it all out of my house because what happens in your home will affect the house of God you need to clean out your house and watch how the Lord will send an outpouring of revival watch how the Lord will bring prodigals home you want the prodigals to come home start by cleaning out your house so they can come back to the place that it ought to be I often wonder I often wonder what would have happened if the prodigal's father would have decided to change if the prodigal's father would have decided we don't have to do it like we used to do it we don't have to be the house that we always were. And he would have come home to a place that he did not recognize. No, it is the responsibility of the church and the people of God to be what God has always called us to be. A holy, peculiar, separated people. And if it's inconvenient, if it means God has to tear up the roof, if it means I have to break the alabaster box, if it means I have to give things up, if it means I have to throw things away, then I'm willing to do it because I want to break through in my family. I want to break through in my church. I want to break through in my neighborhood. How many need God to do a breakthrough in your life tonight? I want you to raise your hand. God wants to give us the breakthrough more than we want the breakthrough. I'm risking getting you even quieter than you are by taking you to the second epistle of John chapter 10. It's going to rub some of y'all wrong because you don't know what's in the Bible. We're talking about keeping our house right, our life right. He said this. He's talking about backsliders. He's talking about false teachers. He's talking about people who are in opposition to the things of God. And John says this. If there come any unto you. And bring not this doctrine. They're not bringing right doctrine. They're not doing right. They're, they're going against and attacking righteous things. Receive him not into your house. Neither bid him God speed. For he that... Now listen. It gets even harder than that. For he that biddeth him God speed is partaker of his evil deeds. We're talking about protecting our homes. 
I don't just let any theology into my house. We shouldn't just let any conversation into our homes. We shouldn't just let any opinion into our house. Because our house is a place that we are consecrating unto the Lord. Our house needs to be a place of breakthrough. Where Jesus dwells and his power and his glory dwells. Stand with me. Here's what I'd like us to do tonight. If you raised your hand a moment ago and you said, I, I need a breakthrough in my, in my home. I need a breakthrough in my heart. Whether it's for you, whether it's for someone that you love, whether it's a prodigal, whatever it is. You need a breakthrough in your life. I want you to just take a moment and I want you to, I want you to just lift your head, lift your hand. And I want you to identify the breakthrough that you need. And then I want you to look into your spirit, look into your home. And this is where the rubber hits the road. I want you to ask yourself, are there things that I'm allowing in my home that are displeasing to God? Are there things that I'm doing in my house that I've let creep in? Maybe you didn't mean for it to get there. Maybe you didn't put it there. Maybe somebody else put it there. But it's in your home and it ought not to be there. I want you to identify what that is. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. We don't have to shout and scream. This is, this is where revival starts, right here. I want you to look through your house. I want you to, like Achan, I want you to think about, is there something you've buried in your home? Is, is there something that God told you not to touch that you took out of Babylon and you buried it in your house? And it's somewhere underneath the foundations of your home. And you want God in your house. You want the Holy Ghost. You want to be able to pray and feel the presence of God in your house. But, but lately it's been hard. And you haven't even realized it. But snakes and spiders have crept in to your house. And there are spirits in your home that ought not to be there. They've crept in and you've grown comfortable with these spirits. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. You've grown comfortable with these spirits because they're familiar to you now. But you are not receiving breakthrough like you should. And the reason that you have not received the breakthrough is you have rejected the breaking that God requires for you to have. There's going to have to be something broken up in your home before you can receive the breakthrough that you are asking God to give you. I'm asking you to pray with me right now. I want you to look into your spirit. Look into your home. I want us to be serious about this right now. And I want you to say, Lord, help me. Whatever it is that needs to be broken up. Whatever it is that needs to be ripped out. Whatever it is that needs to be thrown away. Whatever it is that I've allowed there. Whether it's me or somebody else. God, give me the courage to take it out. Give me the strength to let it be removed. And if you can't do it by yourself, get your some friends who will help you break it up there's some people here tonight that'll go to this altar with you and help you break things up that need to be broken up I want you to look at someone beside you and say if you're willing if you're not don't do it but look at them and say I'm willing to go with you and help you break things up I'm willing to go with you and help you rip some things out before we can get a breakthrough tonight, find someone and tell them, I I'm willing to go break some things up with you in this altar. I'm willing to go back home with you if I need to. I'm willing to help you. I'm the kind of friend who wants to get you close to Jesus. 
If you've got two or three friends that are willing to go break things up in the Holy Ghost, would you take them by the hand and come to this altar? And in the spirit, I just want you to start breaking through. Just tearing stuff out of your heart. Things you love, you shouldn't love. You're falling in love with the things of the world. Come to this altar and just break it out of your heart. You're looking at things you shouldn't look at. You're lusting for things you shouldn't lust, lust after. Just come and let it be broken up in your heart. Get a hold of somebody and say, we're going to get where we need to be. We're going to have the kind of breakthrough we ought to have. That's it. Pray with somebody.